Blog Talk Radio.
now. Well, welcome to our Wednesday night broadcast of Prayer International Radio. And I just wanted to welcome all of you here tonight, all of the amazing men and women of God we have already in our chat room. Um, I was like browsing through some of their profiles and I noticed um, on one of them in the very front, it says, if you were to die tonight, where do you know where you would spend eternity? Wow, that is um, always the question of every hour and every minute and every second. Where are you going to spend eternity? Because, you know, um, last night, um, depending on where you live, if you live anywhere in the middle of the United States, um, there was tornadoes, and um, it's the first time I've ever turned on the radio, I mean, the television station, and I live in Dallas. Um, for some of you, that's like the north, northeast of, or northeast of Texas, and literally, like, instead of having, like, one or two spots of red and then green, which is supposed to be rain. I mean, literally, it was just one big red blotch that covered as far, I mean, pretty much their whole map. And here, it was, it started to come to where I live, and then we went outside and we rebuked the storm. And then right, then right away, like, it literally made a split before it got to our city. And, um, Part of the storm went north, part of it went, like, southeast. Um, unbelievable. And then right when the broadcast started, um, we were starting the broadcast, and all of a sudden I heard this huge train outside. And then I realized we don't have a train. And so I knew it was a tornado coming. And then, But it was, I think, more of the enemy wanting me to um, get distracted and not believe. And so I just ignored it. And, you know, sometimes that's what we have to do. Sometimes we don't always have to rebuke the enemy. Sometimes we just ignore him. Um, it says, uh, what's that? There's a scripture in, in James. I think it's in James that talks about that. can't think of it at the minute. Um, oh, resist the enemy, he will flee. And so if you keep your mind focused on Jesus and you keep your eyes set upon him and the prize. You know, it's funny, that verse in... Um, Paul's talking about in Philippians, he said, I press forward, I press toward that which is ahead, and for the prize of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. Um, for the prize for the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. And, you know, what's the prize? Is it just eternal life? No. Um, because it says in the Psalms, it says, you have become my exceeding great reward. And, you know, he has an inheritance in us, and we have an inheritance in him, too. I mean, it's, it says that the Holy Spirit is our the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. Um, and so we have an inheritance in him, which is the fellowship with Almighty God. It's unbelievable. Anyway, um, so first prayer request of the night um, is for Ernestine. I hope I pronounced that right. Um, 
So, and then we have a couple more coming up. So let's like kick it off real fast. And then for Ernestine, um, then Angel loves Mom's cousin, who may not make it another 48 hours. Um, we'll see about that. Um, the Lord Jesus. So, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Lord, your word declares to come boldly to the throne of grace in which we are accepted in the time of need. And your word declares that if two or more of us are gathered together in your name, that you are there in the midst, Father. Father God, we trust in your word, that your word is true. Father, and we come and stand in agreement, Father, with you upon your own words, Lord. And you said you exalted your word even above your name, Father. And Jesus, you said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto you. So, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Lord, in the name of the most holy Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Father, we rebuke the spirit of sickness in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Father, we ask for complete and total healing and deliverance for Ernestine. Father, in the name of Jesus, from the top of her head to the soles of her feet, Father, filled completely and totally with your spirit, Father, completely and totally healed and delivered. Father, for this cousin in the hospital, <laughs> you know, the doctors can say one thing, Lord, but whose report are we going to believe? And we will choose to believe your word over our situation. Father, we are not moved, and we will not be moved by what we can see with our eyes, what we can hear with our ears, what we can feel or what we can sense with our natural senses, Father. But we choose and declare that we will only be moved by what we believe, Father, which is your word, Lord. So right now, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, in the name of Jesus, we command complete and total healing over them right now. In the name of Jesus, Father, every sickness, Father, every disease gone in the name of Jesus, every organ restored right now in the name of Jesus, Father. Holy Spirit, touch them right now, Father. Heal the organ right now in the name of Jesus. Jesus, thank you for your blood for the, on them, Father. Thank you for your blood for them. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood for them. Father, we give you all the glory and we give you all the honor, Lord, for it's not about us, Father. It's so not about us, Jesus. It's only about you. And yours is the only name that will be glorified. And this earth or there in heaven, Father. Jesus, we worship you tonight. As the risen King, as our Savior, our Redeemer, our exceeding great reward. <sighs> Ah, and he's not saved too. Well, you know what? Jesus helped a lot of people who weren't believers at the time. So, Father, we ask that you would completely restore him. Father, your word declares that the goodness of God leads them to repentance. Holy Spirit, it's only through your presence. And through your leading, that men come to you, Father. So right now, take the blinders off his eyes. And take the blinders off of his ears. Father, give him a new heart. Father, draw him to you, Father. That he can clearly hear your voice calling him, Father. 
Father, turn his heart towards you, Jesus. Turn his heart towards you, Jesus, Father. We ask for his salvation, Lord, in your name, Father, that you would be glorified, Jesus. Thank you, 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 Jesus. <laughs> you know, some people may wonder about us declaring and praying and demanding this or that. And, you know, it's not out of a spirit of pride. Because, um, like Paul said, I'm probably the least of all the Christians out there. Um, but it's about knowing the word and knowing the promises that have been freely given to us, knowing that the Bible declares that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, and that he has given us all things pertaining to life and godliness, and knowing what his word declares. And we stand trusting his word over the things in our lives, regardless of what the situation is. And if you want to know what you can and cannot pray for and what you can or can or cannot declare, you know, pretty much if Jesus did it, do it. I mean, outside of, like, dying on the cross and being raised from the dead and um, all the stuff that's reserved just for Jesus, um, everything he did, he said, the works I do, you will do also. He says, I go to my Father and I send it the Hurak HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. The Bible declares that the disciples went preaching the word and the Holy Spirit confirmed the word with signs and wonders. And so it's not about us. It's about Jesus. It's about what he can do. It's about his blood. It's not about us doing anything. There's no power in our hands. There's no power in our body. It's all the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's all the blood of Jesus. The price has already been paid, and the Father has already spoken his word. Um, and, you know, once he declares it, it's out there, and all you have to do is reach up and grab it. He said the words that, that go from my – he said something about like, – I think it's a paraphrase. It says, um, my words will not return to me void, but they shall accomplish that for which I sent them. You know, when Jesus spoke a word – the minute he spoke the word, as far as he was concerned, it was already done. Even if the physical manifestation of the word hadn't been hasn't hadn't been revealed just at that moment, he went up to a fig tree and he spoke death to that fig tree and said, "Let no fruit ever like grow in you again." They go, him and his disciples go for a walk. They come back and the fig tree is already dead. Well, it wasn't that it died right when they got back. It was that Jesus spoke the word, and the second the word came out of his mouth. It had already been done. And then it began to die because the word had already been spoken over it. And the Bible says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And we have the power of death and life in our tongue. And speaking out those things which the Father has given us to speak, speaking out those promises that he has declared, declaring that they're true, and manifesting life everywhere we go through the words of our lips, through the words of our lips, declaring the name of Jesus in all the earth, in every situation, regardless of what the situation is. 
it doesn't matter if it's someone who has a broken foot or someone who needs to be raised from the dead. You know, I um, I know of many ministers and missionaries who and who minister to remote tribes here and there, and um, you know, they still see signs and wonders like that, the ones that you don't normally see in big cities and states and stuff. They um. They still see people get raised from the dead. And that may sound like a great thing or an unbelievable thing, but it's true. And it's because they believe, because they believe the word of God. They believe what Jesus said. He said, lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. Preach the gospel. I mean, any work that Jesus did, he said, you'll do greater. And so it's it's a matter of your belief and where you want to put your belief. Do you want to believe in the physical circumstances? Yes, yeah, someone's laying their dead. So what? What does the Bible say? And what did Jesus do? And what did he declare for us to do? And who is it who's among us? It says, he who is with us is greater than he that is with the world. The same Holy Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells among us. Even when the disciples on the day of Pentecost, it was the Holy Spirit who came down and filled them with power. Um, when they were making decisions, they said, and it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. Because they considered him a part of their ministry. And, you know, everything in the Bible, everything in our lives, it's not us doing it and trusting in God to help us. I mean, in a, in a way it is, but really what it is is that we are in a partnership with the Father throughout our lives. He speaks, he's spoken a word into our life and declared our purpose. It says in Ephesians, we are the workmanship of Christ Jesus. You know, it says over in Colossians, this is all things were created through him and for him and by him nothing exists. It's all because of Jesus. And in Ephesians, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God be declared beforehand that we should walk in them. You know, that's the partnership, Adam and Eve, in the Garden of Eden. Garden, God makes this amazing garden, places Adam and Eve in the middle of it, and said, have fun, enjoy. Gave them, like, one rule. But besides that, their whole job was to have fellowship with the Lord and to enjoy the garden. And, you know, the, there's no difference between then and now. We have this amazing Word of God that declares to us the promises of God and the Word of God. And declares what is possible. And declares that what is impossible is possible. Because with him nothing is impossible. He said in Jeremiah 33, Call upon me, and I will answer you, and show you great and mighty things that you know not of. You know, these same verses we, we speak over every single night. Every single night. Jesus said, or it says, um, I believe it's Romans. It says, I has not, or it's Corinthians. I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. You know, he has come to give us life and have it and more abundantly. And to have the joy that is inexpressible and full of glory, which doesn't come from your job, it doesn't come from your finances, it doesn't come from relationships. It comes from him. It comes from your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Knowing him who has already delivered us and sanctified us and set us apart and declared that we were righteous in front of the Father. Declared that all our sins were cast far away from us, forgotten, 
forever by the Father and declare that we are perfected. It says that he has forever perfected those who are being sanctified. And so our only responsibility is to live this life of faith, which is us just walking it out, what he has already done, walking in the resting and walking in the work, which he's already completed. There's no more struggle. There's no more working. There's no more travail. He said, my grace is sufficient and my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Even when we're weak, it's his strength that gets us by. It's his grace every day. It's his mercy in our lives. It's his abundance in our lives. It's the fullness of the Father through this Jesus Christ. And we, like it says, have this treasure in earthen vessels that it should be of him and not of us. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. And it says we are living epistles written not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh that is the heart. You know, one of the analogies I gave before is, you know, God called Moses up to the mountain to give him the first commandments. And God took his finger and he reached down from eternity and physically started writing on these tablets of stone a path for his people. But in those words of the Ten Commandments, it wasn't just Ten Commandments that God was giving the people. But that was God placing his character on stone. It was a direct reference to the person who wrote it, which was God. It was a living testimony that this tablet had been touched by the Almighty. And this represents him. These, these, these laws that we were given where his character was his integrity, his purity, his holiness, his glory. And when that covenant would never suffice, he sent his own son to die on the cross for the sins of the world. And then he did something else. He sent the Holy Spirit. And it says that we are living epistles written not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, the heart. He took that same finger and he came down from eternity and wrote upon us, every one of us, a, a note in a symphony, if you want to think about it that way. Every one of us, a unique master design with its own blueprint that he had planned out beforehand, before we were even formed in the womb. He had declared his word over us and said, this is who you are. Like I said last night in First John, it says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. We are blessed beyond all possible comprehension. We can't even understand those things yet that have been given to us by him. We don't even have the fullness of the knowledge of him. We, we see in part and we know in part. But then when he is revealed, we will know him as we are known. And it's into that same image that we are all being transformed day to day 
through the trials, through the tribulations, through the struggles, through all the things in which the Lord develops our character. He shapes us and molds us as vessels. And as it says, we behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. And are being transformed into that image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of God. And so, you know, through everything, through the trials, through the struggles, we learn character. We, we learn those fruits of the Spirit. Those fruits that the Holy Spirit has to grow deep within inside of us. That never are immediately like full the fullness in plants, but they start off as little seeds, and they start developing. And the Lord takes us through this life and this partnership. When we yield ourselves to Him, He starts molding and shaping and forming a masterpiece inside of us and our hearts, and we become the fragrance of Jesus Christ in this earth, just as the Father, or just as the Word declares that Jesus was the glory of the Father and the image of the glory of God. We become the image of the glory of Jesus. We become representations of the glory of the only begotten of the Father. We become, like it says, ambassadors for him. We are ambassadors for Christ, reconciling the world unto the Father. And it's not through our preaching and persuasive words, like Paul said, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power, that their faith is in men, but in God. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit and the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. But it's us who are the living epistles, the living declarations. It says in, I believe it's Habakkuk, it says, um, it talks about standing. It says, write the, write the vision, make it plain that all who run may read it. And we become that written vision that there is grace and hope and there's peace through the Lord Jesus Christ. And that the enemy has been cast down and he has no authority. He has no power. He has no dominion because all authority, power, and dominion was given to the Lord Jesus Christ when Father God placed all things under his feet and gave him the name that is above every name. That is the name of Jesus. Every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And, you know, this is the Jesus we serve. You know, I mean, Paul said, neither height nor depth nor any created thing, anything will be able to separate us from the love of the God, of God. Nothing. We are more than conquerors. We're more than just people living here trying to make it day to day. We are sons of the living God, sons and daughters, and we are the bride of his son. We are the bride of Christ, the church. <laughs> we are, wow. Humbled to serve the uncreated Father. Sort of interesting. Um, side note, you know, Jesus said no one has seen the Father at any time. Because um, the disciples were saying, show us the Father and it's sufficient. And Jesus said, you know, he who's seen me has seen the Father. No one has seen the Father at any time. Except for Jesus, who came from the Father. Well, that's true, <laughs> which we know it is because Jesus said it. Then if you go throughout the Bible and look at every time someone saw God, it wasn't really God they were seeing. It was Jesus, who's this, who is God. But it was Jesus who was in the flesh that they saw, which 
So, which means Moses on the mountain was with Jesus. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden were with Jesus. Abraham, when he was visited by the Lord, it was Jesus. Burning bush, it was Jesus. And that's my opinion. This is my opinion. That is, um, and I could be wrong, but I mean, just pray for yourselves. Um, you know, but I mean, that's why I literally think is that every time in history that men saw God, it was actually Jesus that they saw. It was the King of King and the Lord of Lords. It's the only difference between then up in history all the way up to now is that when they saw him, he didn't have the nails in his hands or the holes, which he does now. And he didn't have the holes in his feet, which he does now. And he didn't have the hole in his side, which he does now. And for eternity, which is a word that we mere men can never grasp, he will still have those marks of what he did for us. And even now, he lives to make intercession for the saints, lives to make intercession for us, seated at the right hand of God, the uncreated Father, lives to make intercession for the believers. You know, I taught once before on Abraham, and, you know, he's gone through so much for you, and he's not done. That should be our message of the year. He's not finished yet. Whatever you thought that it was too late for, whatever vision you believe the Lord gave you that you thought that it was impossible or you messed it up or whatever, you know, it's not done yet. It's not over yet. He's not finished yet. He will complete that which he started in you until the day of Christ. His word is the same today as it was when he first spoke it over your life. And the situations cannot change that. You know, he speaks his word, and you're going to get there. You may go through some mountains to get there, but he'll get you there. And in the end, what we're getting to is him. And it's eternity with him in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. So our call-in number tonight, 619-638-8458. If you need prayer for anything, give us a call. Um, we're going to get a little bit into the book of James. I started a little bit last night, and I didn't get very far. Um, but once we're going to take a quick break, and we'll come back and get into it. So stay tuned.
welcome back to Prayer International Radio. Call in number 619-638-8458. Um, we have about 23 minutes left in the hour, and then uh, Chris will be joining us. Um, so, um, if you need prayer for something, give us a call, 619-638-8458. Um, we have a chat room open, um, and at Prayer International, I mean, blogtalkradio.com forward slash prayer international and then if you can't make it to a phone need prayer um, email us prayer international at gmail.com so um, last night we started to get into James um, and so Holy Spirit please quicken this word Holy Spirit take this word and make it alive in us tonight Father Take this word and show us Jesus. Declare Jesus Christ to us, Holy Spirit. Open our eyes and give us discernment to see. So, I guess we'll pick up in verse 9. It says, James 1, verse 9, Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation but the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field, he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers the grass. Its flower falls, and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. So let me stop there for a second. Um, and I'm going to be saying that a lot when I teach. Uh, let's stop there for a second. Um you know, when it all said and done, you know, um, Job said best. He said, um, naked I came into the earth and naked I will return. I think he said something like that. And You know, Job learned this lesson um, literally in that, you know, we get caught up in our possessions and our stuff and our things. And But it's those very things that can blind us to the truth that our joy, our peace will never come through a possession because we are a possession. We are inherited. We were purchased with the price of his blood. And the, like I said earlier, the, we have an inheritance in him, which is him. You know, um, it's interesting because in Ephesians, um, it's going to take forever for us to get through James, just to let y'all know. But um, in Ephesians, it says that um, it talks about us being adopted. It says, um, hold on one second. Da, da, da. I have to flip over there so I don't get it wrong. Um, Okay, we'll just skip through really fast. It says, I hate it when I know, when I, I can think of the verse in my head, but I have no clue where it actually is. So, so your homework for the night is to read the first chapter of Ephesians. Um, oh, there it is. Okay, for Ephesians, um, Paul was praying and he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. 
just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. You know, here's the way it works. The Father wanted to bless you. (laughs) He wanted to give you an inheritance. He wanted to give you the kingdom. But in order to do that, you needed to be adopted. And even though we were without God and lost, he sent his own son to die for us, to give us the greatest inheritance, which is eternal life, through adoption that we could obtain that which only is, because someone who's not, someone who's a servant can't obtain an inheritance because they're not part of the household. Jesus said, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. And so everything we have is, you know, it's great. I mean, we can have possessions as long as they're used for the right reasons, as long as they're used to glorify God. Everything, everything we have in some purpose should be used to glorify the Father. Um, And, you know, everything we have is his. He's I mean the whole earth, everything in it. I mean the neighbor's the neighbor's car down the street, the other neighbor's swimming pool. Everything that you see with your physical eyes, no matter whose name is on the lease or whose name is on the title, it belongs to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Because the earth is his and the fullness thereof. It all belongs to him. And we enjoy the things he's given us. But we can't start worshiping or idolizing or holding on to the things when we should be holding on to the man, Jesus. And, you know, Paul said, I've learned to be a base and I've learned to be a bound. And to be content in all things, in all situations, no matter whether you're rich or whether you're poor, it doesn't matter because the glory is in Jesus Christ. This is in verse 12. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say, he is tempted. when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. You know, that's one of the most powerful verses you read in the Bible because it explains a lot there. You know, even in society and our world in general, it's never that um, the world is corrupt. It doesn't start off with the world being corrupted. It starts off with the desires of man, the fleshly desires of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It starts off with those desires that are held in check by the word of God and by the power of God and the commandments of God. And But it's through those commandments that sin became exceedingly sinful to show that it was only through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that men could be saved. And, you know, so it starts off with just temptation from your own desires. 
And when those desires are conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin is just sin. But then when the sin is allowed to grow, it becomes death um, and spiritual death. And, you know, in our societies in general, there's things that are normally not, that aren't okay, that are not okay. And I'm not going to get into any theological debate with anybody on these things, especially on this program. But, you know, whatever the issue is, go back to the Word of God. And if you want to know the stance on how God feels about something, then look at the Bible and see what he said about it. And and I'll leave it at that. I mean, have it, leave it between you and the Father. And see what he said. Don't listen to a man. Listen to God. And... Because, you know, men will be wrong. God won't be. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so there's things that even we as Christians, we start seeing the things and we sort of ignore them. And then it gets to a point where they're there, they're not going away. And so instead of, like, praying against them or, or anything else or praying against us, the principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of its age, because remember it says we don't battle against flesh and blood. Um, but we let the things get by, and then it gets to a point where we just um, accept them, accept that's the way it is. And then once that happens, then we start going beyond that, and we say, okay, well, you know what, that's okay, and then that's okay. And then that's okay. And then pretty much it gets to the point that there is no law. There's no righteousness. There's no holiness. Just do whatever you want. You're your own judge. Well, we know that there's only one judge, which is the Lord Jesus Christ, whom the Father has placed over judge over all things. And, but, you know, the Bible talks about those who knowingly practice, those who know that, know that practicing sin deserves death, not only do them, but encourage others to do them. And so our society in general and the body of Christ has gotten to the point that we see the world and what they want and what the world wants because of their desires. And so we allow it into the household of God, heaven forbid, because we don't want to offend anybody with our belief in the Lord Jesus. And we'd rather be safe and have everybody happy than declare what the truth of the gospel is. But even Jesus, after he hit people, would say, go and sin no more. But in the long run, you know, it's leave it up to the man and God. It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. It's our, our responsibility to proclaim the love of the Lord Jesus Christ to the nations. And then let the Holy Spirit work in their hearts and move their hearts and shape them. But never to proclaim that things are okay and to condone sin because sin is sin. And but the world can't understand that because they don't have the spiritual discernment that we have once we've been filled with the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, it's just preaching against a heart that's already been hardened by the world. Um, and what we really should be doing is praying and allowing the Holy Spirit to move upon them. Um, it says in verse 16, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of, by the word of truth 
that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. You know, you can fight and you can war with your words against a million different things. You can argue and dispute and try to prove yourself right. But, you know, if you notice, the Father isn't in a big hurry to justify himself to men. He declared his word, left it at that, and his word hasn't changed. And if people want to believe it, they can. If they don't, they don't. But whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It says, therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. Overflow of wickedness means abundance. And receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. Like David said in Psalms, your word I have hidden in my heart that I wouldn't sin against you. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. And you know, those verse 22 to and verse 20 through 24, I could preach on those verses alone for the next five years and never get finished. Doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. And, you know, I've probably said this a million times too, but, you know, we boldly proclaim the gospel and we boldly claim we believe the word of God. But what we need to do is judge ourselves and have the Holy Spirit judge us and give the Holy Spirit the ability to look deep inside our hearts and see if you know the word that we read and we declare that it's true, do we really believe it? Because if it's true and we believe it's true, then do our words, our actions, stand up for our words? If we're declaring that we believe that we should be living like Jesus, do we really do it? Um, if the word of God declares that we have to believe that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek them, do we really believe that he, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek them? If we believe that the Bible says lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, well, why aren't we laying hands on the sick and watching them recover? And so if you're going to declare the word, it's better to not declare anything whatsoever. It's, to, it's better not to say anything than to declare that you believe something that you really don't believe. But, you know, and that's between you and the Lord. It's, it really is because you can proclaim all you want to most people and they're never going to know the difference. But when it comes down to it in your own life, what is it you really believe? Because what you really believe is what's going to come out of your mouth. Jesus said out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. And so if you really believe the words of God, those are the things that are going to be flowing out from your mouth. And then those words that you speak become living. And so you take those things in which you believe about the Word of God and about your life, and those are the things that you speak, which turns around, becomes living words, which creates that life in which you first believe. So what you need to do is get an image of your head of the Word of God and what the Word of God says about you. So that way that's what's inside your heart. And then so when you speak out, you're speaking the life and speaking into existence those things which you believe the Word of God says about you. And... For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and, forget, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. And you know, that's our problem in general. Not just the church, just everybody. That's all of our problems. That's my problem, my wife's problem, everybody's problem. Is that 
we spend time in the presence of God and we start to get insight and revelation into um, his character and his nature, which in return, we start becoming like that nature. Um, and we have amazing times and fellowship with the Lord, but then we go away into the world and then we start forgetting whose presence we were just in. You know, Peter was in a boat and Jesus is like, um, and he sees Jesus, and like all of us, he's like, Jesus, if it's you, command us to come to you. And he does, to all of us. And he gives, he calls all of us to come to him. doesn't matter what the service is. It's not about the service. It's about coming to Jesus. He didn't, Jesus didn't say, wait till the waves, wait, look at the waves. He didn't say, what about the boat, or how great the rain is, or the sky. He's just like, it, it wasn't about anything going on. But Peter and his eyes focused on Jesus. And he calls us, and we start walking to him. And at that moment, when we're walking toward him, nothing else matters. It doesn't matter how big the boat is or what waves there are. The waves aren't there. I mean, they are, but they, they're not relevant because our, our eyes are on Jesus. And we're running the race to him. And so regardless of what's going on around us, it's, it's, it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. And, but once we get onto the water, we, get this, we always have this issue when we're actually out doing what the Father tells us to do that we start looking around at our situation. And once we look at our situation, then we start looking at ourselves. And then once we look, start looking at ourselves – then we start believing not what the Father had already spoke to us, that we could come to him. But we start believing what we already believe or what the situation declares to us. And then those are the words we start speaking, and we start to sink and fall. And, you know, so when the Father gives his command, we need to become doers of the word not worrying about what's going on around us, not worrying about what the situation is, what it looks like, what it feels like, what what you've heard that day. If you keep your mind and your heart focused on the Lord Jesus, then you see the mountain and you just declare it to move. And it's not a big struggle to declare the mountain to move because you just know that it's already going to move. Because it's not your words declaring it to move. You're just repeating the words of Jesus. And it's just like if he was saying it. And so, anyway, I didn't get through much of James tonight, did I? Um, a little bit more than last night, but we may have to pick that up again tomorrow. Um, so we're coming up on the end of the first hour of the broadcast. Um, and so we want to welcome you all to the show. Uh, it's Prayer International Radio. Um, our call-in number is 619 638-8458 If you need prayer for anything, give us a call We're going to take a break And we will be back Joined by Christopher Herzog
Praise God, we're back. This is Prayer International Radio. My name is Chris Herzog, and I'll be your host this evening. And just giving God praise. You know, we are speaking to nations here at Prayer International, and that's the reason we're doing this. The reason we put this radio station, uh, this radio program together, and put the website together, let me tell you. God said, declare and decree a thing, that he was looking for a man to stand in the gap. He was looking for an intercessor. He was looking for a man and a woman that would lay down their lives and begin to decree and declare and call in the promises, call in the plans of the Most High God into the earth to imitate Jesus, who is our faithful intercessor. Praise God. You know, that's the mandate of this ministry for Prayer International is to raise up an awareness of prayer, to raise up a global watch of intercession, to begin to call men and women everywhere to pray, and to begin to stand in the gap, to begin to pray for the harvest, to begin to pray for the laborers to go into the harvest. To begin to raise up a watch for America in Jesus' name and declare and decree the kingdom of God coming and the will of God being done. So if you want to call in and listen for a little bit, we're going to have some prayer. Uh, Probably won't take any live calls till towards the end of the show. But feel free if you want to get into the chat room and, and share some things. Uh, I'll be in and out of the chat tonight just as I share my heart. Sometimes it's hard for me to do both as I'm teaching the word or praying or decreeing the things that the Lord's put in my heart. Sometimes I'll actually be away from the chat. Feel free to get in there and share among each other, and I'll be in there from time to time. Tonight we just want to pray and, and speak to nations. Tonight we just want to declare the things of God coming into the earth and declare the purposes and the plans of God. You know, Jesus said, when you pray, say. And he didn't say for us to think our prayers, although it's okay to think in your heart, because as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. But Jesus actually told us, when you pray, say, which means he wanted us to be vocal. Even David in the book of Psalms, chapter 2, book of Psalms, chapter 2, Psalm 2, Verse eight. And this is just a just a scriptural foundation for prayer, really. And by the way, if you need to email us, we're at prayer international at gmail dot com. You can go to the website www.prayerinternational.org. 
Hold on for just a minute. All right, I'm back. Sorry about that. I had to get the switchboard going, get everything right there. So we're going to read Psalm chapter 2, just a little portion of it. Listen, this is the deal. The Bible says that the foundation be destroyed. What can the righteous do? God said, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. We're not talking about earthly knowledge, although it's good to have and to be knowledgeable and to gain and learn intelligence about anything that takes place in this earth that you can. Okay, because see, there's an old thing that that said, what they don't know won't hurt them. See, that's not true according to the Word of God. Because ignorance is deadly. In fact, ignorance is one of the greatest weapons. It's really the only weapon that the enemy has against you. The only weapon that the enemy has to use against you is your ignorance to the truth. The ignorance to the truth of the Word of God. The ignorance to the truth of the promises of God. And those things that God has declared and decreed over your life as a child of the Most High God. You need to be knowledgeable about those things. Because, see, when you know the truth, it's the truth that you know. It's the truth that you experience. It's the truth that is alive in your heart. It's the truth that confronts the darkness in your life on a daily basis. It's the truth that confronts the sickness and disease or the health problems or the financial situations or the relationship problems or whatever circumstance or situation that you face. It's the truth that's going to set you free. It's the truth that's in the Word that's going to bring the solutions and the answers to your problems. And so what we're doing tonight is laying a foundation of truth, a biblical foundation for common prayer. Do you know that even when the church began to come out of the dark ages, when the church began to be reestablished, so so to speak, that they began to build, they built and begin to build around uh, what what they considered the main importance of the church was common prayer. In fact, all their theology and all their doctrines, and even those that were Calvinists or or sovereignists or whatever they were. Actually, if you do research and you check everything that these men and women have got, most of them in the Church of England, most of them in Europe, but what happened is they built everything on the foundation of common prayer so that they can actively uh, or experience God actively as he got involved in their prayer life, as he got involved in their worship, as he got involved in their communication with him. And that was the basis of even their theology as it related to their Christian living, as it related to their conduct, as it related to their understanding of God. Because I'll birth that a relationship. And in the same reason in the same way, not just, you know, a couple hundred years ago or even a couple thousand years ago in Jewish culture, or a couple hundred years ago in the European culture when they birthed their theology and their writings and and the things that we canonized as the Bible, which were letters that came from jail cells, they were uh, books or, uh, at the time, letters written, gospels written by men that had walked with Jesus. 
letters written by Paul who had experiences with the Holy Spirit and with Jesus on the road to Damascus and later wrote those letters from jail. But they were birthed out of experience with God. They were all birthed. Even the writings of the prophets, these were experiences these men have. Read Exodus. These were experiences that Moses had. You see, Jesus said, look, you search the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life, but it's me that they testify of. What he was saying was it doesn't matter how much Bible you read. It doesn't matter how much theology you know or how many scriptures you can quote or misquote. But if they're not leading you into an encounter with me, if they're not leading you into an encounter with me, God says, then it's nothing. It's vain. The letter of the law kills, but the Spirit gives life. And there's where the Spirit is, there's freedom and liberty. Even Paul Corinthians says he didn't come preaching the wisdom of man, but he came in power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. And so your Bible reading, your foundation, your theology must lead you to an experience with Christ or it's vain. It's a vain thing. So on this program, we're going to lay scriptural foundations. We're going to teach biblical truth. We're not going to try to bust it all apart and get all fancy with it. Sometimes we may Hebrew and Greek it. Sometimes we may just say it like it says it. But the bottom line is, is we're laying a foundation so that you can be established and strengthened in your faith. So that you can become unshakable and unmovable in the things of God. And it's true that what you don't know can hurt you. So as truth is revealed, you'll be strengthened. You'll be set free. You'll be encouraged. You'll be equipped. And you'll be empowered by the Holy Spirit to go forth in the things of God. And that's what our goal is. To encourage to equip, and to empower you by the Holy Spirit through the word of truth, through prayer, and through the declaration and the decreeing of the things of God into your life and into the earth. And that's what this ministry is all about. And I think Sean would totally back me up on that and say, yeah, we're about intimacy with the Lord, experiencing God, knowing God, Because see, only when you know God will you be strong. And only when you know God will you do great exploits. But when you know God, you can rest assured that strength will be imparted into your soul. When you know God, you can rest assured that great exploits will follow if the word is being preached. There's nothing magical about what we're doing here. We simply declare the word of truth and we pray and we believe God that he's going to honor his word. And you know, there's many prayer answers. There's many declarations and decrees that are coming to pass. It's not that we're anybody. It's not that you're anybody, but it's that he is everything. He is the one. 
He is the only. He's the true God, the everlasting, the wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Prince of Peace. But He's the beginning and the end. And He says, apart from Him, you can do nothing. But with Christ, we can all do all things through Christ because He strengthens us. But realize. Only by his grace. He's in us willing to do with his good pleasure. But we must be yielded. And we must be open. Those that are sons of God, the Bible says, are led by the Spirit of God. And that's what we want to do. We want to be led. We want you to be led by the Holy Spirit, by the, the character and the fruit of the Spirit, by the you know, we want you to behold in the Word the image of Christ, the examples of Jesus, and then the Bible says to imitate Christ and to imitate those who through faith and patience inherited the promises of God. Well, how are you going to imitate those who inherited the promises of God if you don't understand how they walked with God and how they experienced God? And then you see the fruit of what they they experienced with God. The product of their life was a Holy Spirit filled life, was a blessed life. Were the blessings of God. See the blessing of the Lord maketh rich and he adds no sorrow to it. That's what the Bible says. And we're not talking just financial. Although he's good, see, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and if he has to sell a few cattle to get you some money, he'll do it because he loves you. If he has to put a gold coin in a fish's mouth, guess what? He'll do it. If he has to bring ravens along to feed you every day, or a widow woman, or whatever he has to use to take care of you, listen, be open to supernatural provision in your life. If you have a supernatural faith walk, expect. Supernatural provision in your life If you've completely surrendered yourself to ministry And you're giving your time for the gospel's sake Begin to expect and believe God for supernatural provision But also believe God for opportunities That will bring income and bring blessing that way I'm just encouraging Maybe that's for somebody right now But begin to seek the Lord out See, because God knows he's Jehovah Jireh, he's the provider. Jehovah Jireh, his provision shall be seen in your life. He's the one that if you seek first the kingdom, all these things will be added unto you. He's the one that if you give, it shall be given, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto your bosom. He is the one that says, test me and see that I'm not a liar. Test me in tithes and offerings. And see that your barns aren't bursting with plenty and your vats aren't overflowing where there's not room enough to receive it. That's what he says. And again, we don't you hardly ever hear us preaching about giving or all that. We're not asking for that. If you want to give, you can check out the website. There's there's opportunity, but we're not that's not what we're about. We're about Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God coming into your heart, coming into your life. Coming into your family, coming into your body, coming into your job, coming into your everything. That the kingdom of God would invade your life and infiltrate your life and set you on course with God. 
that God would get the glory out of your life. God would get the glory out of my life and my wife's life and our family's life. That's our heart too. We want to see God get all the glory and God be glorified and manifest his spirit and his presence and his love and his glory through and in our lives. We want that for you too. If you need prayer, feel free to email us at prayerinternational at gmail.com. You can go to our website, check out the different options and opportunities there, www.prayerinternational.org. If you need to, you can call us at 619-638-8458. And so feel free to contact us or reach out to us however you can. And, of course, if you need to, we, we also have the 1-800 number. Um, give me a second on that. It's 1-800-701-2785. That's 1-800-701-2785. So, anyways, we're here for you. Look, we just want you to know that we're here to pray. We're here to believe God. We're here to encourage you. And if you need any of that, then this is your radio show. So praise God. Hey, uh, we're going to go into a quick uh, song. We're going to get into the teaching of the word, second portion of our show. And I don't even know what song Sean played tonight, but you know what? We're just going to see what happens. You love. 
All right, praise God. We're back. And this is Prayer International Radio, just taking some time to worship. You know, sometimes we just got to get our focus corrected and just get in the flow of the Holy Ghost. You know, we've learned sometimes just to lay down our deal. You know, it doesn't matter what we want to teach or talk about or how good we think we can encourage people or whatever. Sometimes God just puts in my heart to shift gears and, and worship and let him do it. And so we have taken about the last 15, 20 minutes to just worship God and put on some music to help correct your focus. I was just sharing some words uh, to the sisters, people in the chat room. I think we had a few guests and the bishop and some different people in there. But uh, one of the main things that I was really feeling, and I just want to declare this out of my mouth, because God says to declare and decree a thing. And, you know, I realize we never got into Psalm 2, which is actually bringing us back to where I started right now. But in Psalm chapter 2, he says, uh, verse 7, I will, proclaim the de- I will proclaim the decree of the Lord. Some versions say, I will declare and decree what the Lord has said unto me, or I will say what the Lord has said unto me. The bottom line is, we need to begin to declare and decree. We need to begin to proclaim and decree declare, whatever you want to label it, we need to speak what God is speaking. We need to declare what God is declaring. And the first thing the psalmist said, I will declare and decree what the Lord has said unto me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance and the ends of the earth your possession. All right, so we have an inheritance of the children of God, the nations. God's giving us the nations, and we're speaking to nations. And if you're representing America, you're representing Australia, listen, there's a great awakening coming. There's a great awakening coming to America, unlike we've ever seen before. And I am declaring and decreeing what the Lord has been declaring and decreeing. I'm decreeing for Australia that you will see a great awakening And it's going to be a very increase in the prophetic movement. In Australia, I believe there's going to be a prophetic flow, a prophetic river that's opened up. And as the prophetic is welcomed, the prophetic words, and when I say prophetic, what I mean is God being freely able to express his plan and his heart in a specific situation for specific people or a specific church or a specific city or group of people. That's just one aspect of prophecy now. It's not the whole deal. Just one little piece of it. See, we only know in part, we only prophesy in part. But God is about to bring a increase in the prophetic revelation. What's going to happen? There's going to be a prayer movement that breaks out in Australia. This is what I see. There's going to be a prayer movement that breaks out in Australia. It's going to start to break out. People are going to begin to pray and cry out to God like never before. People are going to begin to gather specifically for prayer to see things broken open in the spirit. And when these things are broken open in the spirit, see, intercession is the mother of revelation. Intercession brings revelation, knowledge. Intercession 
communing heart-to-heart with God brings the revealed truth of the Lord for a specific city or specific time, place, person, family, whatever. And as you begin to pray, Australia, the prophetic will open up. And as the prophetic opens up and these things are broken open, see, the Bible says, swing wide, O you gates. Swing wide, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. Who is this King of glory? The Lord that's mighty in battle. And I'm here to tell you when these gates, these doorways, these spiritual portals begin to open up in Australia, you will see a wave of healing that will begin to come across the nation like never before. And you will see children being used mightily in the hand of the Lord to bring healing, to raise the dead, to perform mighty miracles. You will see this, Australia. Begin to declare and decree this over the soil, over the land, everywhere the soles of your feet tread. And I know we have a sister, uh, Marie, Mary for Jesus. Listen, I want to encourage you, when you're walking and you're going places in Australia, declare and decree the word of the Lord. But praise God. And I'm here to say this, that there is a great awakening coming to America. And what I shared about Australia, I do believe we are starting to see some different things happen here in America, in different places, in different venues. God is pouring out his spirit all over the earth. Just as the waters cover the sea, the Lord is pouring out his spirit. And I'm telling you, as even as the darkness increases, so does the light in some places increase. And God says, even as gross darkness covers the people, then arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Isaiah, the book of Isaiah says, arise and shine. And it's time for the people of God to rise up. And be the exceeding great army coming together, not being a bunch of dry bones laying around in the desert murmuring and complaining. But we're to be the exceeding great army that allows the breath of God to breathe upon us and stand us up and bring us together in unity, just like Ezekiel 37. There's a prophecy of dry bones. And I'm going to get into this. I'll probably get into this tomorrow some. I'm not even sure where we're at on time tonight. Uh, praise God, we got about 10 minutes. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's do this. Let's get into Ezekiel 37 since we've got about 10 minutes. I'm going to probably wrap up with this. So Ezekiel 37, there's a prophecy that was given about dry bones. And uh, if you'll give me a minute. I'll get there. So praise God. But what I'm saying is this. God wants the people of God to begin to stand up and to begin to take their place. You see, God wants you to stand up and take your place, become the watchman on the wall, become the exceeding great army. And when we begin to pray, when we begin to obey the word of the Lord, we will see God pour out in amazing ways. Not that he isn't already. He is pouring out. God is pouring out of his spirit in unprecedented ways. But if you want to see God pour out in your life and through your life, 
in amazing ways. And you're going to have to commit and submit. Submit to the Lord. Commit your ways. Commit your thoughts also to Him, and your ways will be established. You're going to have to commit and submit to the Lord and allow the Spirit of God to move through you, to move upon you, to move in you, to lead you and guide you. Praise God. Well, hallelujah. All right, Ezekiel 37. Sorry, I changed Bibles. I had to change Bibles for a minute. Glory to God. I'm almost there. Hey, if you need to call in, 619-638-8458. We're at Prayer International, www.prayerinternational.org, or we're at prayerinternational at gmail.com. That's our email address. All right, let's uh, do King James. I've got a parallel Bible here, so I'm trying to think. I'm going to go King James. Uh, I've got about five different versions right here, but I like King James. Uh, verse 30, uh, chapter 37, the hand of the Lord was upon me. Verse 1, and he carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones. And he caused me to pass by and round about and beheld there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. See, these were very dry bones that were in the middle of the desert. And as the prophet began to pass by these dry bones, he noticed they weren't just dry, but they were very dry. And there was a lot of them. And he said to me, verse 3, he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. See, he said, Lord, you know it. And you know, sometimes God asks us these redundant questions in our lives that he knows the answers to. And the bottom line is he knows all the answers. He has all the answers, and he knows. And so when God asks you a question, there's usually a a loaded answer behind it. He says, again, he said to me, prophesy upon these bones and say to them, O you dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. You see, when we're to prophesy two things, there's usually some situation going on. See, he told the prophet to prophesy to the dry bones. These were just a big pile of dead bones. But he prophesied and he said, hear ye the word of the Lord. He told him, when you do it, say this. And when we begin to declare and decree the word of the Lord, we need to say what the Lord is telling us to say. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live, verse 6. And I will lay sinews upon you, and bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you. And you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied, and I commanded that these uh, prophesied. And there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and a bones came together, bone to his bone. I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them above there. There's no breath in them. All right, so what he's saying is, look, he began to prophesy the word of the Lord. And as he did, all of a sudden he heard a noise and a shaking. He began to see the bones rattle and shake and come together. Now let me tell you something. See, there is a noise. When we begin to lift up our voices and cry in a place of prayer, there's going to be a unity that takes place and a coming together that takes place. And as soon as we come together in unity in the place of prayer, there's going to be a shaking and a rattling. 
and you're going to see what's dry and what's dead in your life. You're going to see what's dry and what's dead in the body of Christ. You're going to see what's dry and what's dead in the church and in your marriage and in your family. As you begin to pray and come together in unity, God is going to stand everything up and restore your marriage. He's going to restore your church. He's going to restore the body of Christ. He's going to restore your finances. As you begin to pray, as you begin to prophesy and decree the word of the Lord and what looks like death, you're going to begin to see the flesh cover over it. You're going to see God begin to cover over. See, love covers the multitude of sins. Love restores. God restores. And you're going to see God cover over what looks dry and what looks dead in your life. And you're going to see life come upon it. And you're going to see God stand up your marriage. God's going to stand up your family, your children, your parents. God's going to stand up your finances. God's going to stand up your church or, or the, your ministry or the body of Christ in your country. And you're going to see that exceeding great army of God. You're going to see the life of God rise up in the people of God. And God will have his way. And that's what God is trying to do. Take what's dead in your life, what looks like a pile of bones, and bring life to it. He wants to give you beauty for ashes. He wants to give you the oil of joy for mourning. And if you'll allow him, he will restore what is broken in your life. He will, will redeem. He's a redeemer. Let me pray for you because we've got about two minutes left on the show. Well, Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray for everybody listening tonight. Lord, we've got a few left in the chat room. Father, I just thank you that there's resurrection power in the Lord. There's restoration power in the Lord. There's restoring, redeeming power in the Lord Jesus. And right now, Father, we pray for your restoration, for your redeeming, for your redemption, to begin to breathe on every dry bone, to begin to breathe on everything that looks dead in our lives, Father, over every marriage, every family, every person, every child, every ministry, every church. Breathe, Lord. Breathe over the dry bones and stand them up. Bring them together. Cause them to speak out and bring and make a noise. Cause them to make a joyful noise. Cause them to make a noise and lift up their voice unto God. Lord, cause a spirit of prayer to come over your people. Cause a spirit of prayer to come over Australia and to the United States. A spirit of prayer to come over Israel. That you would draw your people to yourself, Lord. So, Father, we thank you for what you're doing tonight. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your glory. We thank you for your graciousness in our lives, Lord. And, Father, we just ask, Lord, that you move in a mighty way. We just thank you, Father. We just thank you, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hey, this is Prayer International Radio. If you guys need prayer, give us a call, 619-638-8458. We're wrapping it up for the night. We're going to continue to agree with you and your Pray for your families, pray for your ministries, your countries, your cities, your churches, whatever's going on. God is going to do it. He's faithful. His promises are yes and amen. He's not slack. He's faithful. Even when you're not, he's faithful. So listen, now, we're going to close out in a song. You guys be blessed. We'll be back tomorrow night. And we're just glad uh, Jesus is on his throne. 